0: of 2023 what is the theme of 2023 be set free free in 2023 what was the theme for 2022 truth Truth in 2022 Um, I think as we look at our freedoms well what is the definition of freedom and I want to talk a bit about freedom today Uh, that's our theme and that's what our series has been on I'm actually, the passage I'm actually going to be speaking on will be in uh, John chapter 8, 31. So for those who were at Youngerborough last week, that's what John spoke on. But, um, and he said that the first passage, uh, the first uh, message out of this series, he actually spoke on this passage here, but you've probably all forgotten that anyway. So we'll, we'll cover that passage again. That'll be part of my message. What is the definition of freedom? Freedom is the condition or right of being able or allowed to say, think whatever you want to without being controlled or limited. I think some would say that we're probably one of the most, one of the freest societies in the history of the world. You look at uh, the freedoms that a lot of people have. We've got the freedom to choose our sexual preference, whatever we want to be. It doesn't have to be what you're born with. We can choose to abort our babies if they're not the right sex or if we don't want them. Um, euthanasia has been legalized here in uh, Queensland now. Um, the freedom to actually kill ourselves or perhaps when it comes down to it, such a vague sort of a... Uh, uh, regulation now it's as to who can actually make that decision. Is it going to be you or will it be maybe the government down the track who can decide to euthanise the sick and the elderly who are of uh, limited use to society. Um, a pro-life activist by the name of Isabel Vaughan Spruce was arrested uh, in the UK earlier this month for praying silently in her head. So why was she doing it? Well, the story. So that's the story behind it. So there's a story there. So she was actually out bo- outside an abortion clinic in the UK. She was. It's actually, there's actually a video of it happening. She was uh, not directly opposite it. She was down the road. You could see it in the distance. And um, the police have come and uh, asked her because she was known to them. It's not a, not a first time she's been involved there. So there is history. But they've asked her, are you praying? And she says, no, I'm not praying out loud. They said, are you praying silently? She said, yes, I'm praying silently in my head. They arrested her for that. You know, you might expect that in some countries, but not the UK. We tend to relate to the UK, America, et cetera. We call ourselves the free world, the Western world. That's what's happened over there. And there's, there's a number of examples. Unfortunately, our, our media just doesn't want to tell us about that at the moment. Reminds us a little bit of Daniel in the lion's den, but he wasn't even praying silently in his head. He was actually in his room and people looking in through his window and they're seeing him uh, praying there after uh, there was a ruling went out that you have to pray to no one but uh, the the king or the ruler of the time. The good thing is, I don't think what will happen to Daniel will ever happen to us in Australia. We don't have lions in Australia. Um. When we're talking about freedom, we're a bit closer to home here in Australia. Our Queensland Police Service Deputy Commissioner, Tracy Linford, has said that a full analysis, so we're talking about the, uh, she's talking about the uh, shooting of the police officers uh, near Chinchilla, uh, Wim And talking about that, they've done an investigation into it. And uh, Deputy Commissioner Tracy Linford said a full analysis of the evidentiary, evidentiary material indicated the incident was a religiously motivated terrorist attack. I think, I think the fathers of those, uh, the train brothers, was actually, I think it was not even a Baptist pastor at one time. She goes on to say they were motivated by a Christian extremist ideology and subscribed to the broad Christian fundamental belief system known as premillennialism. Premillennialism, uh, and actually it's confusing because if you listen to her actual statement, she goes on to describe premillennialism as saying that Jesus will come back in end times and rule on the earth for a thousand days. Um, I looked it up because I was pretty sure that was wrong. It's actually the belief is a thousand years, and that is the belief system that generally most denomination, Christian denominations, believe. So what she's aiming at is basically the broader area of, uh, and belief system of Christianity uh, was um, associated with that terror attack. Um, Martin Niles, most of you have heard of. He was at the time the managing director of the Australian Christian Lobby. He has been quite vocal about this. He's uh, criticised the Australian, the Queensland Police Service, after it linked a fundamental belief held by tens of millions of Christians to December's deadly shooting ambush of two police officers in the state's Western Downs. Goes on to say it is an act of profound ignorance, which is very damaging. Because what this now means is that Christianity has been linked with terrorism in Australia. What it now means is that for the first time ever we have a Christian terrorist event and that is going to make a big impact on the way these investigations are done in the future and it may even impact the way authorities treat mainstream media beliefs like premillennialism. What does the Bible say about freedom? We can see our freedoms are being challenged as Christians within, within uh, Australia, within the Western world. I could go on. If we actually want to look up a passage, John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36, I think I changed it to. Uh, and this is what John uh, actually spoke on last week. And this will be one of the passages that we're looking at today. I don't have it on the uh, PowerPoint, I apologise. So John chapter 8 verses 31 says, and this is NIV version, says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the truth shall set you free. We hear that comment all the time. It's not just within uh, Christian circles. Everyone uses it. Doesn't matter whether it's new age or whatever, we hear the same. The truth will set you free. Verse 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you shall be free indeed got the reference to freedom again if the sun set you free you shall be free indeed coming back to that verse 33 where it says uh, uh, verse 32 sorry the truth uh, well verse 32 starts with then you will know the truth so what's the then about we go back to 31 verse uh, 31 if you hold to my teaching you're really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so this truth we're looking at seems to be something different to what we're looking at, our, our, our freedoms being restricted in Australia. It seems to be related to sin. We're all born with a conscience. Romans chapter 2 verse 14 tells us, and this is talking about the Gentiles. So basically the Gentiles at the time, they weren't, they weren't under the law, they weren't considered, or we'd, we'd consider them today as, uh, as non-Christian I suppose if you compare them. So it says, uh, so the Gentiles who don't have the law, or when the Gentiles who don't have the law do by nature what the law requires, they are a law unto themselves, even though they don't have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their conscience is also bearing witness and their thoughts either accusing or defending them. We know what's right and wrong. God's made us with a conscience. We're created with a conscience to know right from wrong. And uh, interesting, and I've mentioned it before, so I, I apologise if I sound like a broken record, but I've spoken about the world, science's description of sin now. And they've they've actually given it a word and they've described what, what sin is, what we're actually... When I read out the description, we'll see it as sin. It's called moral injury. Associated with PTSD, and they've given it a term, moral injury. And it's interesting because I noticed it first a few years ago, and as I looked it up again for this message, there's a number of new papers on it, and they've actually, uh, I suppose, evolved somewhat, you'd say, in their treatment and their understanding of moral injury in relation to, well, not just in relation, well, PTSD but in general initially it was associated with PTSD and war veterans moral injury refers to the psychological, social and spiritual impact of events following betrayal or transgression of one's own deeply held moral beliefs and values so it's something that has gone against our our deeply held moral beliefs and values and is causing us problems in the mental health area Goes on to give an example. The types and experiences, the types of experiences that can lead to moral injury included are you did something or failed to do something that went against your moral code of values. You saw someone do something or fail to do something that went against your moral code of values. You were directly affected by someone or fail to do something that went against your moral codes. I think that's a pretty good uh, description of sin. Um, We do something that goes against what we know to be wrong. How do we know it to be wrong? Well, we look at at, uh, Romans 2 verse 4, we've got an inbuilt conscience. It's not talking about Christianity or it's not talking about the Bible. It's talking about something that we feel was wrong. It's that inbuilt conscience that we've been created with. What was interesting in all three of those points, you saw, I'll just give an example, the first one, you did something or failed to do something. It's not just doing something, it's failing to do something. What verse does that bring to mind in the Bible? I have to look up my notes. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Anyone then who knows the right thing to do, yet fails to do it, is guilty of sin. We often overlook that as Christians. We think, hey, we haven't done anything wrong. But have we failed to do something right? That indeed is considered sin. Um, and when we look at people, I think there's some examples today. Uh, in, well, look at look at examples in the Bible. Look at we've already spoken about Daniel, his example. He could have quite easily have uh, gone along with the flow. He he's actually rebelled against the government of the time. He's rebelled against society, even though he did it within his own room. We'd probably consider him a rebel as to what he's done. Probably even look at the example of Martin Isles. He's spoken out about this. Uh, shooting, William Biller has made a couple of public statements that have gone against what uh, the media is telling us is truth at the moment. One of them was uh, big pharmaceutical companies, how they're running not only the medical interest industry but they're also involved in politics today. Interesting, after the two posts he made on that the following week, he was, uh, his employment was terminated with the Australian Christian Lobby. I don't know what to make of that. I'm not saying anything in relation to that, but uh, it's certainly interesting that as he's spoken out and he's spoken against what the government is holding to be uh, truth, people are being, uh, would you say, uh, persecuted for it. In in modern times, we've got Mark Knowles. We can look at Daniel in the Bible times. Okay, what are the symptoms of sin? Well, I'll tell you what what the symptoms are of moral injury. We'll see if they're similar. Symptoms including higher levels of guilt, anger, shame, depression and social isolation. Higher than those seen in traditional PTSD profiles, it says. The symptoms of moral injury described above can manifest in changes in sleep patterns, significant or persistent changes in behaviour or habits, mistakes, isolation, compulsive behaviour and a weakened sense of empathy or compassion. We should almost include that in the Bible as a description of what sin does to us and what what, what the result of sin can be on a, a person's life. Goes on to say, although it is not a mental health condition, if left to persist for too long, it can lead to depression, anxiety, aggression and suicidal ideation. goes on talking about it in these papers that I've read and I read a couple of them I've just picked bits out of it guilt is difficult to address in therapy and often lingers uh, and often lingers following standardized PTSD treatment it may in fact be the factor in in that more than 49% of veterans drop out of PTSD treatment or why at times up to 72% of sufferers, despite meaningful improvement in their symptoms, do not actually recover enough after such treatment that their PTS diagnosis can be removed. It's just not working, and uh, whatever, the way they're treating it, just it's not happening. One of the ways, and this is one, one passage that I found, in cases in which... In cases in which the effects of moral injury extend beyond psychological to spiritual harms, spiritual care providers could have a role alongside mental health clinicians. There's a little bit of a link there that they can go to spiritual care providers. I don't know who that includes. It can include all sorts of denominations, no doubt, but we can see a link there. Because they go on to say down the bottom, As yet, no validated treatment for moral injury exists. I think as Christians, we can tell them, yes, it does. We have a treatment for moral injury. We look back to that passage we've just read. Verse 36 says, So if the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Verse 34 says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's what we're seeing in this moral injury. People are in slavery to sin. This sin is affecting their life. It's affecting their sleep patterns. It could even lead to suicide. What is the treatment for it? The treatment for it is verse 36. If the sun sets you free, you shall be free, free indeed. We have a message there. We know that the freedom that God is talking about is indeed the freedom of sin. Freedom from sin, not freedom of sin, freedom from sin. When we're looking at uh, freedom, there's another verse, this is another verse I actually stole that John used last week as well and uh, going on to another area of freedom. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So it's talking about the Spirit of the Lord, talking about freedom. And where the Lord is, there is freedom. We're living in interesting times. I think there's a great uh, spiritual awareness at the moment. And I've had people uh, people say to me that uh, I just don't um, believe what I'm being told at the moment. I don't believe what the media is telling us perhaps. I don't know why I don't believe it, but something's telling me. So I'm not a religious person. But I just believe there's something else out there. So they're coming to an awareness that there's, that there's some spiritual realm out there and I think there's a much greater awareness of that happening. We've heard people sharing the last couple of weeks, both younger Yungabara and here, of interactions they've had with people. People are coming up to them sometimes saying, and this, well, this is someone who said that to me uh, last week, people are coming up saying, look, you go to church, but what's happening now? Like, doesn't this tie in with prophecy? People are, people are more interested than ever in uh, the spiritual realm. Not necessarily Christianity. Unfortunately, Christianity, when it comes to uh, the truth of things, Christianity for many, many years, you know, right back to when I went to school, I was taught that evolution was true. I was taught that uh, it's only a number of years until uh, they find the missing link. And there, uh, for a number of years, they found the missing link every year. And uh, every one, when you look at it, through science has been proven wrong. That was never advertised. The missing link being found was a big thing, it was in every newspaper, whatever, but the fact that it was proven to be wrong wasn't. So, Christianity, the truth behind Christianity, has been eroded for years. Um, I, I know a lot of people who, are, oh, I guess it's just people who've come into my life over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, I don't really know what you call it because they don't call themselves new age, but they've got a great spiritual understanding. Whether they connect with the universe, they connect with uh, nature, whatever. And uh, in a lot of those, I see greater faith than I see in some Christians. I've got a friend who's uh, a single mum, and she's been looking for accommodation at the moment. And you know, everyone knows what it's like to get accommodation. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm not really worried about it. Nature has a plan. I'll have my place. And sure enough, she didn't have a problem. She walked into a place without anything. I thought, boy, if only you could hear that from a lot of Christians, that they had that same amount of faith. Um, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Well, we're seeing that all day, every day at the moment. People are suppressing their truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. So this is saying even if people aren't Christian, uh whatever belief system they may hold to if they have no belief system just through nature through creation it can be clearly seen to them well, i think we're seeing that at the moment there's a far greater awareness of spirituality we look over the last couple of years the times of fear well fear will drive people to asking questions and looking for alternatives um you know over the over COVID, with the lockdowns people couldn't see their families we a social we're a social uh, animal, uh, so to speak, social being. That's affected a lot of people. Depression, suicide, etc. Locked up, you couldn't go out, you couldn't go to places. Um, toilet paper, how can we survive without toilet paper? So there's, there's been a lot of fear out there and a lot of this is driving people to asking questions. I think there's a far greater spiritual awareness than there ever has been. And where, where, where here we are as Christians... We know the answer to the problem. The problem is sin. We know the person of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross is the answer to freedom. People are searching for freedom. Even those, when we look at, uh, you know, currently what's going on in the world, what is what is being made legal, what Christians are being silenced against, those people, their consciences are telling them that what they're doing is wrong. That's why they think, Hey, if we can get rulings to say it's right, we're going to feel better about ourselves. So their consciences, that what they don't realise is just not going to work. Their consciences don't go away just because they change the rules within a country. I think we're coming to the time, uh, Acts chapter 7 verse, uh, 23. Uh, I couldn't help but thinking of this where Paul was, uh, talking when we talk about the spiritual realm. Paul stood up in the meeting. Of the uh, Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and examined your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you are worshipping is something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the, the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth as he determined their appointed time and the boundaries of their lands. God intended that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We know that unknown God. We can share that unknown God. And I think that's what we're going to be going on uh, as the the year goes on, is to uh, perhaps in uh, in sharing what we believe uh, with others. And we've already been going through uh, the interactions we've had with other people. Sweet, we we know that unknown God, the God who created the world, the God who created the universe, the God who helps deal with that sin problem. That one's not mine. Rightio. Um, So, yeah, that's basically what I'm going to finish with in conclusion. we looked at the negative side of it to start with, how you know where we're basically our freedoms are being taken away from us. I love the example of uh, Paul in Acts chapter sixteen, um, Acts chapter sixteen twenty-five. If anyone's following along with the Bible readings, when it comes to freedom, let's be like Paul. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening listening to them. So he's in prison at the time, I should say that. Paul and Silas are in prison. Not only are they locked in prison, but they're shackled. How much more in bondage can you be? There's no freedom involved there. And what are they doing? They're praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly a strong earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. At once all the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I mean, the first thing I'd do is I'd be gone. I'd be gone. I'd be out of that bondage. I'd be out of that slavery. I'd be free. It wasn't a big priority for Paul. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, presuming that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We are here. Let's be like Paul. We're so uh, involved with the freedom that God's given us, the freedom of getting out of a prison in shackles is is... is Second, that's not important. So if we can have that attitude, I think that's something we can aim, aim towards. So don't be consumed with the restrictions being placed on our earthly freedoms. Be thankful for the true freedom only available through Jesus Christ.